Welcome to The New Exchange, a podcast series that explores how everyone has a story to tell. My name is Ken Grandpierre, and what you're about to hear is my story. So some quick background on how this episode came to be. This podcast started two years ago, partially as a relaunch of a series I used to run for a now-defunct magazine called The 405. Because of this series being so guest-based, I rarely found the need to explain who I am, but I get it. How can you listen to a few episodes and not find yourself thinking, who's this guy talking to all these incredibly talented people? The short of it is that I used to be a music journalist, and I still work as a music photographer at times. A big part of my life was traveling with musicians throughout the US and Europe, capturing their shows, backstage moments, performances at festivals, and more. But that doesn't answer the why, the how, and the what of this series. So here we are with today's episode. To have this make sense, I invited my good friend and fellow photographer Toby Tenenbaum to chat with me about what this podcast is, what I get from doing it, and frankly, why I hope I can make you give a damn about what I'm making. I should mention that there will be a few instances where you'll hear my dog Missy whining in the background as she stares at pigeons flying by our window. Also, I'm happy to share that season 5 of the podcast will be kicking off on September 20th. I've already recorded the first half of the season and I'm so excited to share these talks with you. As this series continues to grow, the episodes have naturally become more diverse, more personal, and bolder. And season 5 is a prime example of what I want this series to be. If you have a moment, please subscribe on wherever you listen to podcasts and also rate and leave a review over at Apple Podcasts. This series is independently run and crafted and truly reviews go a long way in helping me out. So if you find yourself enjoying this talk, don't hesitate to let me know. This is The New Exchange. Enjoy. I want to make it about you today because it's always <laughs> about other people. Thank you. Um, and I don't think enough of your listeners know enough about you. And I don't think they have, have had a chance to hear just how interesting your story is because um, oh. you're always throwing so much light and energy onto other people. But I think it's time for someone to do that for you. So I've decided to come here um, and do that. So welcome, Ken, yeah. to your own podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no, and I... I agree, actually, in that <laughs> sense. I mean, that, that, that's something that's been on my mind ever since the podcast actually started, because, you know, funnily enough, if you think about podcasting as a medium and whether or not it could even be successful in the context of, like, reaching a wider audience, it does have to be a situation where people feel either an attachment or, like, a care towards the host. And I always found, I always struggled with this, even at the kickoff, because with it being so guest-based, there's like this kind of um, dance and alchemy and trying to figure out how much I should actually be in it. And I think I, I had this in mind to point out, so it's nice to actually be able to say it, but I think for anyone who knows me personally, it might be interesting that they might not be aware how private of a person I tend to be outside in the context of my own life. So I think that's something that's interesting where you have somebody as a podcast, you have to be public facing and kind of like put yourself out there but so, then figure out how to do it i guess this is the podcast equivalent of therapists needing therapy <laughs> like who do the who do the podcasters go to for their own uh for their own, for their own voice they go so, to handsome british man well, with good voices I, what time's he coming here 
until he gets here, I'll take the mic. Do you know what? I'm gonna spin around on you for like half a second, right? Prior to you can't spin me on you on me. Go ahead. Well, you're drinking a nice coffee. That's there. true. We're, we're I need a sip. So go ahead. We're recording this in the summer. And prior to us uh, recording, we're at this uh, coffee stand near my apartment in Greenpoint. And it was hilarious seeing you ordering a coffee and the coffee guy not being at all impressed by your accent. (laughs) As an American, I'm not going to lie, when those instances happen, I do feel like a little like, okay, good. You know, every time someone's not impressed with my accent, a little piece of dies inside. I I saw it in real time. I I saw it dying. It chipped chipped paint on the wall. And then he said... Welcome to New York, <laughs> which I thought was which is hilarious considering I've been in this country for 19 years. But anyway, we digress, which is good, which is always healthy on the podcast. Um, so how are you today, Ken? How's everything? Um, it's so, can I just say, it's so nice to see your studio. Thank um, you. I, for those of you who aren't aware, Ken is the proud father of a four-year-old adopted rescue puppy yeah. named Missy. She's... She's quite beautiful. I'm not a huge dog person, as people know, because I get quite scared. But Missy, Missy gave me a warm welcome. So, um, if you hear Missy tiptoeing in the background, pay no attention. The hilarity that we've been friends for multiple years, by the way, and I forgot that you were afraid of dogs. I'm sorry. About it's that. okay. It's okay. It's something I have to get over rather than you having to adapt to. You do live in one of the most dog-centric cities in the world. So. I know. So here we are in sunny, <laughs> sunny Williamsburg. It's a beautiful Saturday. Greenpoint, actually. Is it Greenpoint? Is this Technically, Greenpoint? yeah. But we're like two blocks from a Karen's. That's all. So same. like you're about to say welcome to New York to me. Just to, just to make me feel... <laughs> I just wanted to give you the PTSD again. <laughs> um, so, so Ken, very relaxed in his, in his lovely home. Well, beautifully lit home. So, so let's, let's, let's talk about Ken. Um, how did this all begin? Just, just I know, obviously, many of your listeners will be familiar with your work on the 405, and, but do you want to just do your version of it rather than me doing it for you? No, yeah, I'd love to, especially because, I mean, we talked a lot about this a little bit, how generally most people wouldn't know, and you're right. I don't think, because, you know, if you think about podcasts like this, the one that I do, it's a gift and a curse of it being guest-based, because usually people see who the guest is, and they'll go like, oh, I like this guest, I want to listen. And then it becomes a big thing on my part to convince them to listen to another one. So, so in other words, you're not going to tell people that I'm doing this because no one. <laughs> I absolutely am. I mean, you have a good name, but yeah, I digressed a little bit. Going back to how this podcast started, um, I used to work freelance for a magazine, a British magazine called The Four Hundred Five. I started doing stuff with them back in 2015, and it started because um, there's a Brooklyn band called San Fermin that I'm friends with. And I've been taking photos of them forever. And this magazine wanted to have like exclusive photos of them before a show. And I was like, oh, I do stuff like that for them. So let's do that. And then a relationship formed for there where they like the photos. And the editors there were very big on giving the writers and the photographers creative freedom. So I started a podcast there. And it was born from the fact that I would routinely be with acts before their concerts. And it was a thing that I started to notice that the conversations we're having leading up to a show was very different than your standard interview by virtue of me being with them for multiple hours in a day. And I personally love like artist interviews and artist profiles, but there's like a formality to it. There's a structure to it that could feel very trite. And I found myself thinking like, you know, I've almost cracked a cheat code of getting around the formula without realizing it. So like it, it, I became keenly aware of this when I was with uh, Irish musician Lisa Hannigan. I was with her for, I think, three or four days. And I remember thinking to myself, like, wow, she's so funny. 
but people don't write about how funny she is. She, they write about how dour she is. And I also realized that like for someone like that who's so innately humorous, it's probably best conveyed in an audio format so you could hear it. So I pitched doing a podcast for them, the four or five. They love the idea. And they pretty much let me do whatever. So a lot of those episodes, they still exist online today. Um, they're mostly recorded in green rooms before a concert begins. So there are varying degrees of quality, but there's a magic that was captured in just like, you know, the lead up to a show. I feel like we're missing something by not having like a ripped up couch, <laughs> a small mini fridge, you know, the sound of like sound check in the background. You know, we can make... We can, it's funny we you can... mentioned the mini fridge because there were multiple times where I'd have to unplug the mini fridge because a lot of them have hums. Oh yeah, the hum. The hum. <laughs> That'd be a good name for the next podcast. It'd be the hum. Like, the hum. The mini fridge. The mini fridge. Inside the mini fridge. One of those yeah. words has to be in brackets for sure. Yeah. Okay, so that's so that's the so that's how the four hundred five happened. Yeah. Um, and then I think it was just pre-pandemic. Four hundred five discontinued. Yeah. So the podcast was the four hundred five exchange, and the magazine was the four hundred five. And what ended up happening is I did that podcast from. 2017 to right at the end of 2019 and essentially what happens the magazine folded for i mean <laughs> does anyone... is that a pun intended the magazine yeah. folding not really. oh <laughs> i didn't re- i hate no it's so funny <laughs> i actually hate puns and i just did one without... <laughs> oh it's the worst but i mean i just made a face now because in my head it's like do i need to explain why the magazine folded it's like no i don't everyone understands magazines are folding all the time and the, the uh, we we got a lot of leeway in terms of they told us when it was going to happen and the reasons why were kind of obvious, but essentially, you know, financial. And I remember thinking at the time that like... I mean, it wasn't because they were having too much fun, to be honest. Yeah, it wasn't because they were having <laughs> like, too much fun. This is too much fun, let's stop. Well, it was a situation where like, I've had that... So as a music journalist and a photographer, I've been in situations where that happened multiple times. Like I've been doing it since 2010 and it was nothing new to me, but what was new was having this entity exist in a... Sp- in, a space like that and wanting to continue and do it more and that was very unexpected to me because i kind of did podcasts podcasting almost as a form of a utility at first rather than being a passion and then it grew into a passion so when the magazine folded i found myself thinking like you know there's actually a lot more i could do taking this independent and also um in a better kind of way like have more control even and i want to make it clear the 405 they never put like guardrails on me really but there there are innate guardrails when you do something for a place as opposed to yourself yeah and i think you know we're talking here in 2022 but if you go back to like 20 even uh, not that (laughs) recently as 2018 this format was quite unique i mean the 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 podcast interview per se in in the music world just wasn't really happening you had a couple of like short interviews but they were written they were they were they were text this is something I don't want to give you a big head and call you a pioneer, but you essentially <laughs> are something of a pioneer in that respect. Um, oh, I hope you, you, I mean, not to, you know, again, I don't want to give you too big a head, but why not? Um, well, you know, what's I hilarious think, is that like, I think for people who aren't familiar with the podcast, I'm known for giving musicians compliments, just like very pointedly. And uh, it's been a while since I've given such a point. Yeah, and your friends, don't, your friends don't feel the same <laughs> way, by the way. You save your compliments for musicians. I feel like I have to pick up a guitar just to get you to say something I nice about I always you. say nice things That's about true. your hair. You do. I do have good hair. You do. Yeah. You take very good care of it. You're awesome. I spend most of my time doing that. So. <laughs> um, okay, so, so you've... 405 ends. 
Yeah. It's pre-pandemic. You know you wanted to carry on doing something with this, this, this format that you've effectively developed and devised. Yeah. How did you come up with the, first of all, I mean, incredible resilience, really, to, to say to yourself, all right, I'm just going to do this on my own. Um, how did you come up with the name? What, the, yeah. the new exchange? What? Well, well, before I do that, actually, I, to like, kind of add on to that story, it's very crucial. I have to give a big shout out to Eric Tersimoto who also goes by F That Noise on Instagram. He's a really good friend of mine, a photographer. And essentially, he's crucial to this, the alchemy of this story because when the 4 or 5 ended, I had the initial idea of actually pitching up the podcast, rebranding it to somewhere else. And Eric was a really good friend that anytime we had conversations in those first couple of months of lockdown, he kept really challenging me on that. Like He kept going, like, why do you think this podcast has to exist elsewhere? Like, What do you think? Like, what? Just do it yourself. And I was really resistant of that, actually, initially. And then it got to a point where, <laughs> I mean, it was partially Eric, but also what happened is I made a list of magazine editors that I know and I've gotten to know over the years. And there was this, unfortunately, big purge that happened early on in the pandemic where a lot of uh, magazines and blogs like laid people off. So I had this list of people I was going to reach out to once I had the idea more developed. And they all got let go and fired. Oh, God. So I had the realization. Like watching the dominoes fall. Yeah. Oh, there goes another one. Exactly, yeah. And quite selfishly, I had the realization that, like, okay, I could either wait for these magazines and blogs to hire new editors, but then I'd have to get to know those new people and build a new relationship. And were you, just to just, just, just expand on that, did you yeah. feel like this thing can only exist underneath the umbrella of an entity rather than yeah. as an independent. And yet the irony is the majority <laughs> of the musicians and artists that you work with are all independent artists, yeah. not working in this sort of the label, the big labels and things like that. So it's, it's, it's yeah. kind of ironic. And you saying that, like crystallizing, and that's exactly what Eric would say to me in those conversations. And it, it's so why isn't Eric sat here today? <laughs> Eric, where are you? I, hope you, I, hope I mean, you he are. has great hair too. I always make fun of him for that. So basically you have friends with great hair. Yeah. Kind of jealous. <laughs> and good, and, good ideas. <laughs> and great ideas. And great ideas. Now, you had yeah. mentioned to me, I'm going to skip for a minute. Yeah, um, of course. Yeah. Because you talk about ideas and things like that. You mentioned that Rishikesh Hakway is somebody who you've been mentored by or someone you see as a mentor. Do you want to expand on that for a second? Absolutely. Yeah. So that's the creator and host of Song Exploder for people who aren't familiar. One of the most successful music podcasts of all time. It'd be a thing where I'd look at what he, he's created a Song Exploder. And I would think like that is like the most perfect form of anything that I could conceive. So that's the guy I need information from. So it, it, it started out with him basically entertaining me, pestering him in the Twitter DMs. And then it turned into a thing where like I told him about the initial idea of this podcast in terms of like why. Because, you know, with the aspect of a podcast, if you're going to do it, I think you really have to consider... The, the, necess the necessity of it and how it w operates in the space. Meaning, like, what are you adding to it? So if I think about my podcast specifically, I realize that I'm offering people a viewpoint of not just musicians, but creative people, but that they might not be aware of in terms of, like, the way to see them. And Rikikiush was a big part of that in terms of just really making me realize it has to be simple and very concise. Like, why am I even putting this out into the world? I think the thing with Song Exploder, and I, I hope I speak for other people here, is if nothing else, it, it just, it, it's a passion. It, it, it fuels passion so much. I mean, you, yeah. you hear the way that he breaks down the song, the way he speaks with such passion about the songs and, and their 
the artistry that goes into it. Yeah. It's no different to when I listen to you get those artists or those creatives to sort of touch on that passion and really, you know, I guess really embark on a journey that takes the listener into that moment where the, the sort of feels the passion. And I think yeah. Song Exploder, The New Exchange, right, that they're not a million miles away from each other in that respect, right? Oh. You get you get your artist to talk with such passion, and totally. you know how to ask the right questions in the same way that he knows how to give the right answers. And I think that's part of the fun. I think that's 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 probably where you see you can tell that there's definitely there's aspiration. You know, you have the aspiration from aspiration and inspiration from Song Exploder, which talks about the song specifically. But you want to know more about the artist as a whole, and so I think there's yeah. there's definitely a parallel there. Thank you. That is, you draw. and there's such a funny story. During the, the pandemic, he had put out on Twitter just a quick like, "Does anyone does anybody want to do a quick Zoom with me?" And this was like one o'clock in the morning, and I happened to be going down a dark you know dark Twitter hole as we all do in the middle of the night. Yeah. And so I quickly DM'd him back. He said, "DM me if you want to be if you want to be on a on a quick Zoom with me." Yeah. So I quickly DM'd him back. And this is actually a good story because it, it sort of talks about why we're here today. Yeah. So he, so I quickly DM, he sends me the Zoom link in my DMs. I click on the Zoom link and for about three minutes, it's just me and him, yeah. which was like part enthralling and slightly awkward. And I think he had just dropped the Netflix special with the killers. I oh, want to okay. say, I ju- or maybe the REM one, one of the, one of the best ones they hit, in my opinion, one of the best ones he'd done. So yeah. I was just like, you know, this is so exciting. I have so many questions asked. Where do I begin? Yeah. And then I could see people arriving on the Zoom. And ultimately, there were about 10 people on the Zoom. And everyone had questions. And so what ended up happening was people were firing questions. And he was just like, it, it, it wasn't working. The format wasn't working. So I took ownership. And I just said, don't worry. I'm going to anchor this Zoom session. Yeah. So I end up anchoring the Zoom session for him, having you know, zero experience podcasting or interviewing or any of that stuff. And I ended up basically anchoring the whole session for him. And I thought to myself, you know, I really want to do, I want to get on a podcast again, which is when I ran into you and said, yeah. you know, we need to, we need to do something. So you, hold on. When you told me the story, I actually had no insight in the aspect, the, the crucial element of the story. I didn't know you'd never done that before. Oh, anything no, no, like no. that before. Never, never, wow. never. No, no, no. Oh, shit. That's insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm silent. And for those who don't know, I'm also like Ken, a concert photographer, which is how we came to know each other. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't have a podcast. I don't, <laughs> I don't do this. You I, definitely could, I, though. I, I mean, I am. Here I am. Yeah, but, I mean, right maybe this will be another, you know, an offshoot. Yeah, <laughs> a potential offshoot. Um, okay, so, so we, I, wanted to, I did want to talk about that with you as well. Um, oh, before you go further, not mm. to like step on you, I just realized I didn't. An- I I always try to point this out sometimes when I do my own podcast when someone doesn't answer something or when I listen to other people's podcasts. So you asked me about the name. And basically the way the name came about is that I actually spent a whole month uh, working in like Adobe Illustrator, making artwork ideas. And I essentially had like of eight different names, but they're all variants of each other. And I basically stared at them every day for a week. And I would just like, kind of like, so come on, let's hear, yeah. <laughs> let's hear what, what ended up on the cutting room floor. Well, what, that, what could this have been? This could have been the creative exchange or the, um, what was it? Uh, I hope it wouldn't be called the fluid exchange. That'd no, that'd be fucking really disgusting. Oh, that's terrible. Go on. I actually, you know what's so funny? <laughs> this is a testament to why the name ended up being what it is in the sense that basically what it is is like I woke up every day over the course of like a week 
And this was like, what, like April, May 2020. So we weren't doing shit. And I would basically just cross, like look at the name with a new fresh set of eyes and then decide to cross it off. And I landed on New Exchange, even though it's kind of questionable where or not you should have new in the title or something. But I stuck at New Exchange because as a functionality of like how the episodes are, it is that. It's a new exchange with every yeah. episode. So it's a play on like what the episodes actually entail, where the constant is me, but the fact that I'm talking to a different person each week, it, in, it makes it innately new because someone's different experiences and everything. So for season two, the new new exchange. <laughs> and then it just keeps the new new. <laughs> that would be new hysterical. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's how that happened. Very cool. So let's, let's go back further, a little bit further back. I want to talk about heritage. I want to talk about your name. Okay. Ken Grandpierre. It does sound like a fancy hotel in Midtown. <laughs> and you have a hyphen. I do have a hyphen. So let's, like, I, I want to talk about that. Let's um, talk about Grand Pierre for a second. Who, who okay. is the Grand Grand Pierre? Yeah. Well, who is the main Grand Pierre? <laughs> arguably my dad. But like, uh, yeah, well, yeah, because I'm named... Is it Ash- Grand Pierre? Is it, it like, is. is there like a, should I be saying it with an accent? You should be actually. And like, so my family are French and we have uh, French roots as well. I don't, we, I don't think we know our African roots. I think my dad's side are potentially from Sierra Leone, but we don't know where my mom's side is from. But I come from a Haitian household and my full name is Conjon uh, Grandpierre. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That, again, get time to get Adobe Illustrator out and start recreating the artwork. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that's my full name, uh, like, you know, culturally. And, um, yeah, it's, you know, it's actually really interesting. By the time this comes out, this will have already come out, like another thing to talk. But I have a talk coming out with uh, Melanie Charles, who is a local jazz musician who's getting um, a lot of attention. And she is of Haitian heritage. And we had a really nice heart-to-heart because, I mean, she had a very different life than me because her family, her, mo- her mother, if I remember correctly, was creative. So her parents very much um, encouraged her pursuing creativity, but it's not very normal in a Haitian household. And I think in a lot of immigrant households. So I grew up as like a second generation immigrant and it was a situation where my parents um, were supportive of me figuring things out, but they were wary of the arts just in terms of just how precarious it could be. So I actually remember, this has come up in the podcast before, but it's nice when I got to tell a story of, I remember when I was uh, 17 and I had to decide what I wanted to do for college. Uh, I decided on graphic design. And when I told my parents, they had no co- point of context for what that meant. So, but they actually said to me point blank at age 17, they said, go find us a photo of people doing this. And then we'll like consider you pursuing this as a career. So I actually had to go onto Google back in like 2007 and find a photo of like a graphic designer working in an office to show my parents. And then they're like, okay, this could, this could be a thing. I mean, I think you need to recreate that photo at some point <laughs> in, a, in a studio setting. That's very cool. Okay, so, and you grew up in Northern New York. Yeah, yeah, right? in Rockland County, which is over the water from Westchester. I also grew up a bit in the UK, which has come up a couple of times in the series. Yeah, we I... bonded about that very early years. Yeah. I feel like when we first met, I think we were at some art gallery for some of our friends who were having yeah, that's right. um, a photo show. Yeah, um, yeah we and... spent a lot of time in my family, Stratford, in the 90s. And this was like before Stratford is what it is now. So like, Wait, it's... what is it now? I mean, it's a little bit more developed. I don't know. I've... When's the last time you've been? Around about the time that Shakespeare was there. <laughs> No, well, um, yeah. The last time I was Stratford upon Avon. No, no, Stratford in London. Oh, yeah. Stratford 
That's Stratford. Yeah, yeah. Like with the overground and everything. Yeah, they built it up. A West, uh, South London. Yeah, well, uh, east. It's more like southeast. But... Am I really getting found out here from my yeah. really poor geography of, of England? But it, it's a situation that, like, um, it, it kind of ties that experience and the experience of how I grew up in Rockland kind of ties to what I'm doing here, where London, like Stratford in London, is so far from the central and from the proper capital that you just feel kind of removed. At least I did as a kid. And Rockland County is a similar situation. I'm sure people in Westchester feel similar. Where it's like you're close enough to New York, but you're far away. You don't really feel part of it. So, part of me coming here for college was a situation where I just wanted to be in it. So you were 17 years old. You came down. College yeah. here was where did you go to college? Oh, I went to the Art Institute. But I uh, I moved um, here in the city like summer 2008. I think July of that year, and it was a thing of just like starting to go to shows all the time, and that's kind of how my passion for photography formed. Or I was at concerts all the fucking time and it was the first time in my life doing that and i remember just thinking i want to be in this environment all the time and then i just saw photographers as a and i was like oh if i become one of them i have to be at shows so i mean you could have become a musician that's another thing <laughs> that happens in those i think i don't know I, I, you I could have just picked up a guitar <laughs> instead of a camera i think at 17 i had acute awareness that that probably wasn't gonna happen <laughs> do, do you play an instrument kid no i you know it's so funny i know how to hold uh, a beat on a drum and a bass with a bass guitar, but like I don't know how to like actually play something. Like yes. I know how to like help. So what if you had your choice? Yeah. Right. We, but we have to take the camera away. You can no longer take pictures. Okay. Or you can become a musician. I still have my hands. My hands aren't severed. I just no, I have not severing out. hands. What's yeah. the matter with you? I mean, I'm wondering why I can't pick up. No. The camera, okay. Well, but... just because <laughs> because the technology is just disappeared. It's gone. Okay. Okay. In this hypothetical. This is a this very hypothet- strange world. Hypothetical situation. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what, if, if cameras are gone, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. But let's just say yeah. cameras no longer exist. Yes. But live music is, is still very much intact, as we know it, just without a bunch of random people in the pit, which sounds amazing. If that's my superpower, I could just get rid of everything else. <laughs> but anyway, sorry, yes. let's go back to this hypothetical situation yes, yes, where yes. you can no longer be a photographer, but you are an instrumental part of the show experience. What are you doing with your hands? Ooh. The hands that remain as part of your extremities. It's gonna sound like a cop out, but I swear mm. it's not. I probably would want to be do lighting design. I knew you were gonna say that. Yeah. The minute I gave yeah. you that out, you have okay, fine. Modified question. You have to be in the band. What instrument are you playing? This is gonna sound so wanky. This is gonna be the most wanky thing I've ever said in my life. If you say like cow cowbell. No, or it's gonna be drums, but the reason I say drums, and I barely know how to play the drums, but like I think it's the first time I've ever I've said this on a podcast. I do Soul Cycle, and sometimes do you? I do. Huh? That's how this happens. That's why you've got that. Yeah, the frame. There you go. You notice it? Yeah, I see it. Right, yeah. That's why you always wear those tight t-shirts. Yeah. Shout out to to Matt because he, my friend Matt, took me last summer, and it's yeah. Next month will be a year since. This is what I want. I want everyone to know what you who you are and what you do. Well, All right, it's the Soul Cycle. Well, there's a reason. Really, so so like I I do Soul Cycle, and for people who are listening in Europe and like, what the fuck is that? Essentially, it's like uh a cycling class and essentially it's the, more than that though it's kind of culty isn't it like they, it, t- they touch you in weird places not the, like that but the like, studio uh, i go to isn't particularly culty but i've heard that i've heard well the big thing with soul cycle is that you go the lights are very low uh instructor almost operates as like a partial dj and they're playing music very loudly as you're taking bicycling like it's a cycling bicycling bicycling i know right that's what i, I, like I, that. I, I think that thinking. should become a new uh activity yeah bicycling but the reason I say drummer is that there's an instructor I go to, Noah, who's known for playing like rock music. 
And sometimes when he's playing like a song that's like very like drum driven, I'll sometimes daydream that I'm in a drum kit and like the way I'm hitting the bike yeah, pedals, pedals. Of it, like a drum pedal. Well, yeah. I do notice this because I mean that's pretty know, wanky. I right? notice this whenever yeah. we are in the pit together on those special occasions. Yeah, you are always giving that bit of extra time to the drummer. I noticed you notice you're sort that. of poking through. Of course, I noticed that. Oh, hey. You're poking through the monitors, and I see you in there oh. doing the drummer. Everyone forget uh, that's because I love doing shoutouts because I really go do it. That's because I taught Oyoung who was one of the first photographers I ever looked into as well. He has it as a big rule, don't ignore the drama. Don't ignore the drama. Yeah. Is he, does he say that as well? He does. I, he, I read that in a blog that he put when I was like 18 years old, and I still remember it. I mean, start with the drama, work your way up. But I see, I see you always kind of poking in and looking at the drama, so now, now we know the That's hilarious. You know what's funny about you saying that? Like that bit right there? And I think that's a very crucial thing to podcasting just as a medium in the comics for me, is that I love doing it so much, but I never, I think about the listener when I'm editing the episodes and even when I'm structuring the talks, but when the episode goes out into the world, even now, even though it's been years of doing this, I generally forget that people could hear it. So then sometimes I'll receive feedback or someone will point something out in an episode that they liked or disliked. Well, actually, it's had, that hasn't happened, luckily. No one's ever said something they disliked. In this current they'll, they'll just tell me. They'll the just DM tell me you. and they'll be like, oh, no, I really disliked something. <laughs> but like, there's times where like people will say they like something and I'll be like, oh shit, people can hear it. And so when you did that, just now point out the drum thing, I forget that people can like observe me existing in the world. It's yeah, just, it's the little things, isn't it, though? It's it the little things like, that other people notice that maybe you don't always notice about yourself. Yeah. Which is why this is such an important episode. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> <laughs> um, how are we doing so far? We're doing really You're enjoying good. this. I am enjoying this. I yeah. feel a lot looser. You know, there's an interesting context for why we're sat here in my living room. So there is a podcasting studio I was originally envisioning us to do this in. And, I can't uh, believe I didn't get the studio treatment. <laughs> well, no, there's, when I tell you why. Did the others? No, no. Okay, good. No, no. That's but fine. Th- this is why. It's, um, <laughs> I like conceived of this idea of us being in a studio and doing all that. Obviously, when you're in a studio... I am a bit disappointed. Sorry, I always interrupt you. Yeah. I'm a bit disappointed I'm not ha- I don't have the big cans on my ears. <laughs> I, I, I had visions of, like, wearing headphones and holding, like, you know, one of those... I mean, he's got a fancy microphone here. I'm quite impressed with your tech. But, oh, thank you. But I thought I was going to get one of those, like, you know how... What's his name? Uh, Zane. Zane Lowe. Zane Lowe. They get the best tech. One of my there. heroes. Is he? Yeah, big one. He always puts his feet on the chair. What's that about? I don't This. Shall I start doing that? <laughs> if those you obviously can't see right now but i've got uh, my my, my he's, shoes on. you know he's very much instrumental i'll get back to the point of like why we're here yeah don't worry people I'll i know you've got that him. memory you always remember everything so but in the context of zane Lowe, he's actually very instrumental in how not just this podcast existing but me loving music in general because you know he used to have the gonzo show and he was a big presenter at the bbc and growing up for me as like a, t- a kid going to a, a, becoming a teenager he was the only person I ever saw back then being enthusiastic about music and experiencing his viewpoint on music kind of made me feel at the time that, oh, I'm allowed to be enthusiastic. And weirdly enough, that carried over to when I moved here to New York because for as great as New York is, and I, I feel it's always important to stress this, there are things that suck about it. And one of them is that there is a lot of cynicism. There's a lot of like being too cool. I'm sure you've seen it where sometimes you go to shows and you just see the temperature of the room and you think, like, do people even want to be here? Mm-hmm. So, like, even in my adulthood, Zane Lowe has played a very instrumental um, element in my life because 
that um, enthusiasm I used to see as a teenager, he still has now. And I still want to have that as well in the comments of what I do. Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, we're going to get back to you telling me oh, why we're about here. why we're here. Okay, so this is the thing. So I originally was going to make us go into a, a very fancy studio. They probably had snacks, I'm sorry. But what happened was I found myself thinking about the fact that, you know, you have to pay for, you know, time. And it's not even the financial element that sucks, but it's like, if you just have money on the line in that context, it does just weigh over your head. I've seen it with musicians where even if they're friendly with someone who runs a music studio, they're conscious about how many hours they spend. So I was just thinking like, fuck it, if we come here to my place, if we go over a certain point, it doesn't matter. And we're just innately relaxed being in someone's dwelling. So. Right. I, wanna, I think for the authenticity of this thing, for you to be able to feel comfortable, I want you to almost... <laughs> lean into the fact that you're sitting on your own sofa right now i kind of am all right like, cool i mean knowing that we could get a certain level of quality in doing that is something i really like and if it goes really well we can do the the taylor version and re-record it in the <laughs> studio <laughs> and re-release it um okay so you i just want to get some clar- clarification here so you yeah. you grew up in stratford england yeah. then you come over to america yeah, well, I lived, we would go... Or did you go back, where you, you started in America, went to Stratford, yeah. came back to... Okay. Yeah, we went back and forth up until I was, like, around 10 years old. Why were old. you going back at, what was the reason uh, My dad's job. He okay. had a job that, like, required us. It was, like, pretty much, like, business, like, business dealings of architecture. And it was a whole situation where, essentially, we'd be, like, in London for maybe three to six months out of the year and back. And, uh, which is... Did that give you an identity crisis a bit? The opposite, actually. It, it, well, not, I wouldn't say the opposite. It, I love how you asked that because I think something that happens, at least from my viewpoint, is that as a kid, that element of having an identity to me, it, it felt like bullshit. So it actually did the opposite where it didn't allow me to have a bit of identity, but it was liberating in a sense. I, you, became, I, you became a bit of a citizen. I know this sounds cheesy, but citizen of the world. Yeah. Like, it, without more, like you were just kind of didn't have an identity, which is better than having an identity crisis. I, yeah, it's something I cherish a lot because when I reflect on my childhood, I think there's a way in which people will sometimes encapsulate their uh, view on themselves in the context of just their surroundings. And I was always aware of the fact that my current surroundings didn't matter in a grander context. I yeah. think from, from the outside looking in, and you can tell me if I'm crazy, but it, it makes, it seems like it, it helps you when you're talking to artists from different parts of the world, right? You have a very international circle, right? Yeah. I think about the artists you've covered and spent time around and continue to promote. I mean, there's always a flag on your Instagram story for the band where they come from. And I think that's something that I'm going quite to uniquely that. you, right? You always yeah. say like, oh, my British friends, my French friends, my, to shout out to my friends from New Zealand or whoever. Yeah. And there's always like a, you're really conscious of, of I guess, the where. I think I wanted to say that it seems like you're able to bond with people a lot easier because of those international experiences growing up. But maybe that's just me projecting. No, I think you're right in that. And, you know, prior to you, like, coming over, I had this on my mind in terms of just, like, the podcast and job, but also, like, me and life. And I think a big thing about this series that I love is that it's in a very baseline level, it's about celebrating differences, but in a way that it's essentially that celebrating, where I think we now live in a time where if a lot of the differences we have as people kind of divide us politically and socially, I don't think I'm saying anything new pointing that out, 
But I think because of that, you sometimes see people kind of scared to point out the differences in other people uh, that they have amongst other people. Whereas I kind of see it where like the fact that I could talk to someone who's lived a completely different life experience than me is an amazing thing. And honestly, if I think about it in the context of my own life, and this is kind of like a bit of a, a selfish way to do a podcast, but I, this is this is what I want to be selfish. Right. That's why we're here today. Yeah. Well, good. Because I, I, I think a big thing for me is like getting to talk to so many pe- different people and experiencing so many different cultures. It allows me to understand myself better. Because it goes back to even childhood. It's like if I think about just being in a small town or being in like, you know, existing amongst the same 20, 30 people. To me, that's so limiting about just what the world could be. And like, you know, you're not really challenged as much. At least I don't think so. So I think what's interesting is that when I do this podcast and I talk to someone in Australia or like Africa or like, you know, Germany or like wherever, it's like that innate difference of experience challenges who I am, even if I don't overtly see it. And I, I value that a lot. So how would you say you've grown in the last two years since the podcast is, or how many, how many years have you been doing the podcast? This podcast... Not, this, the, not just not the New Exchange, just over, like in oh, overall? Yeah. Overall since, I want to say spring 2017. Okay, so the question I want to ask how you long is, is, in five years, you, let's call it five years. Yeah. Yeah, it is five. Fuck. That's wild. What? I didn't even think about that. Five years you've been doing this. Jesus. Have you done anything else for as long as five years? Photography. That's about Photography. it. Photography. Yeah. Jesus. I didn't even think about it. That's really nuts. Yeah. Um, has it felt like five years? Has it felt? It's flown. flown. Well, two yeah. of it's pandemic. So it's yeah, like, true. Exactly. There's like dog years, you know. Yeah. They don't. It doesn't really. So what are the things that you have learned from this experience in the last five years? Wow. Do you know what? It's going it, to, the initial thing I'm going to say is going to sound elementary, but I'd like to add context to it. It's the aspect of like, never judge a book by its cover. But the reason why it's very profound in this particular context is that I think, you know, how people say as an adult, a lot of those like old child sayings become like contextually more important. I think what's interesting is being an adult, especially in like a professional capacity and like, you know, just a day-to-day sense in terms of like, I work here and I do this. It's like, there's a lot of ways in which everyday life facilitates you doing that, judging a book by its cover. And it's almost, I would say, I would argue it's encouraged to through a myriad of ways. And I feel like it doesn't serve. And I think it's something that can limit just even your own thinking and your own exposure. And I think part of doing podcasting has made it almost impossible for me to judge because for a talk to be good and for a talk to be successful in the sense of like, you know, someone getting something out of it, I have to be so open-minded. So I went into podcasting already being an open-minded person by the context of what my life is. It's forced me to even expand that beyond what I already knew. And it forced me to be even more open-minded in ways I wouldn't even thought of. So there, it's allowed a more of an openness. I val- like that's something I really love. Like it really makes it and it, it, it goes into my own personal life where like when I talk to friends and if friends have different things going on in their lives, it's really hard for me to judge them, honestly. Like it, it generally is. Yeah, I love that a lot. And it also makes me feel like when you said that just now, when you pointed out how many years it's been, one of my favorite things about podcasting still, even with this series, is that there's a lot of ways in which I still feel like a novice at it, but I don't dislike that. Like it's actually excites me where like, Because I edit the episodes too. And when I edit the episodes, 
there's times where like I'll think to myself like oh I could have done that better or I could have like like a whole bunch of things and I love the fact that I know that I'm continuing to do it it's an opportunity to actually implement those things that I'm noticing let's talk about the guest selection right who when yeah. you decide who's going to come on your podcast who you want to interview yeah. Let's talk about that process for a second. Are you just like I love this because no one's had the, no one's asked me this yet. So even casually, I mean. really, yeah. Okay, no. I mean, this for me, this is like I would I would have, I would have started basking. It's a bit of a weird out of context. Like no, of course. Hi everyone, Ken. How do you find your get? You know. So, <laughs> so how do you decide? Like I want Arlo Parks on my show. Like I want to I want to interview that person. How does that How does that happen? So. That there's a big answer I have for this. I and I don't say. mean, sorry, how do you make it happen? I don't care about that. No, what yeah. I mean is like, what makes you decide? The why. You, yeah, the why. The why, yeah. The initial thing is that I have to preface. So you know how people say imposter syndrome? I feel very fortunate that I rarely ever feel it because I feel like the great... I'm the, so glad you said that. Yeah? Because everybody talks about this imposter syndrome. And I'm thinking... First of all, I, I like you, and maybe that's why we're friends, is that yeah. neither of us suffer that issue. But just, if I hear one more person to tell me, it's people who have done unbelievable things with their life, yeah. tell me that they suffer imposter syndrome. I'm starting to question whether it is everyone just... Well, with I, I do know, for it to be as widespread, that echoes to me that it must be a very real thing in terms of how people internalize it. But I think sometimes people can take something, run with it, and not consider the grander context. So what I say, what I, the reason I bring that up, is that I feel in my own life, the best antidote to feeling that way has been acknowledging the work that I do in terms of like the tenacity that I know I have. Like I can confidently say I'm a hard worker where it's a good worker. I don't know, but I can say I'm a hard worker. And the reason this is like, I'm here to tell you. Thank you. (laughs) I appreciate that. And the reason that's a crucial element to this answer is that when it comes to selecting the guests, there is like an innate understanding of what the work will entail right when I even think like, oh, I'd like to talk to this person. Like there's an innate thing in my head that goes like, oh, all right, I'll have to do X, Y, Z. And then there's an acceptance of that that happens internally. And then the big thing that makes me continue that idea, the initial idea, is can I get a conversation from them that nobody else can? And that's the, also a diversion from feeling imposter syndrome because, you know, there's a confidence in that. Aurelo Parks is a great example because when I talked to her, it was as her star was rising, saying, hey, I want to talk to Arlo Parks is an obvious thing because she's becoming very popular. But it actually came from a place of like, can I get a talk from Arlo Parks that The Guardian's not going to get, that Enemy uh, is not going to get, that the BBC is not going to get, that Rolling Stone's not going to get. And quite literally, <laughs> and maybe this is very ego-driven at a point, I ask myself those things and I, if I say yes, that's what makes me want to talk to the person. Have you, have you failed? Have I? Oh, yes, I have. I have. And the times I've failed have come from, it comes from me having like also, I think, a journalist background where I think even though I like to talk about bucking against that formula, there is a way that it just kind of lives inside me. So there's, t- there's been a time where you, you've gone in there going, right, I, I know exactly what I'm going to ask, and exactly how I'm going to approach this, and then it just doesn't. No, well, funny enough, you know what? And I think this will surprise people. I've approached talks with that way, and it's gone exactly that. And that, to me, is actually the failure, because the thing that makes podcasting special and stand out, and it's what I love about it, to be honest, like one of the big things I love about it, is that 
as a host and an interviewer, it's my job to go in overprepared by the nature of what it entails. But for the podcast to be good is I should be able to take all that preparedness and throw it out the window, depending on, not depending, by the very virtue that I'm talking to someone who's different. So the times I failed, I think, is when you listen to an episode and you could tell it's exactly what was conceived pre us talking. I hope people are listening. That is what you just said. Really interesting. Yeah. Genuinely like that. So, so if, 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 if one through 10, if, if questions one through 10 happened, yeah. fucked it. It's shit. It's yeah. not going to be a good podcast because it's formulaic. Exactly. If, there is a if you got to like three yeah. and then went off on a tangent and never came back, that's the best podcast for you. That's I mean, the, the good news is I haven't got a list here. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I, would I say, can't lose on that. <laughs> I would say that's arguably the best case scenario if it's authentic. Like what I tend to do, and I actually never get to talk about this. So it's nice. I'll have a list of questions or talking points. And a good podcast to me is when we diverge away from every 10, 20 minutes and then we go back to the list. But the thing with that is the questions are formed in mind with both what a project is, what it is, and especially this, what it is outside of the kind of uh, professional sense. Because I think to me, the best way to ask them about their personal life is to ask about what they do, because it all rebounds around themselves. And going back to Rishikesh, like a big thing he made me um, distill and why I was talking to people is that I told him my idea is that I'm fascinated by the fact that people spend so much time at work, but there's a way that work informs our outside, our everyday lives that we don't think about. And I remember I kept like overcomplicating my podcast idea. And he said, no, that's the idea. That there's a cyclical nature between work and just your everyday life. And yeah, it may, I feel like that's what I try to convey more than anything else on the podcast. And yeah, like, so when I do get to those points where we segue, if we go back to the list of questions, that's where my skills come into play, where it's like, if I am going to ask these questions, how does it make sense? I know we don't really want to talk too much about photography, but I want to talk about photography in the context of photographing the guests that you've interviewed specifically. Oh, yeah. What does that add or take away from the experience? So you've sat down, you've done this fantastic podcast with, I don't whoever, right? List any gang of views, whoever. I was going to say, they're the best example. Amazing, these amazing artists that you had on here. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, there's that separation. You're thrown into the photo pit with like, random people like myself yeah and then what do you feel like (laughs) do you feel like a special connection with these people because you sat down and you kind of got into it or yeah is it like no i'm just gonna i have to now shut that piece away and yeah gang of youths is a perfect example uh the short answer to your question is yes i do feel a special connection but they're a great example of what you just described because i first had them on the 405 exchange back in 2019 at boston calling and they actually, inter- I did an interview with them right before they played on like one of the biggest stages there. And it was a situation where we had, we, well, we still do, we have mutual friends. So before the interview started, I mentioned that we have these mutual friends. They were in good spirits and they were excited. So it was really lovely in that sense. And then when I had them on this new podcast, I feel is one of my favorites because there are things I was able to ask them on a very personal level in terms of life that I, I already know most journalists and most podcasters wouldn't have been able to. Fast forward to the show that they played uh, after that, like just a couple months ago, and the podcast had been out for a while. And the way I felt in that photo pit seeing them perform, 
it gives me goosebumps thinking about well, it. I because... noticed, I think there was a moment, if I'm not mistaken, didn't yeah. he like shake your hand in the pit or something? There yeah. Was a moment. Yeah, I Dave. Even, I, think yeah. I, even, I think I even caught a frame of it or two, which I should probably share with you. Yeah, yeah. Dave like uh, shook my hand and then Max like t- uh, winked at me. In the middle of the show. I mean, you got to like, for those, you know, for those of you who don't know, Brooklyn Steel is like a 2000 cap venue or something. And yeah. Crazy. And they're a band that perform in stadiums. Big yeah. band. You know, it's a very, I mean, it's a pretty intense performance, especially at the early, at the top of the set, which is when we were in the pit. Yeah. And he sort of reached out. He did, like, you know, there's like the high five and then there's yeah. like the grab five. And he like sort of grabbed your hand for a second. while, And you, you took a picture yeah. while it was happening. I did. Yeah, yeah. I got his face. Yeah. Yeah, people can see that on Instagram. Okay. It's, up, it's up there. That's but yeah, cool yeah, it, it was a great moment. And especially because, like, I mean, I I feel so proud of how that podcast came out. Because it's like, they're very... Like, I remember when I was editing it, I could tell that even though you could tell we have this relationship, they are just being themselves and being candid and just being very, like, you know, free. And being when you have instances where you can capture that, it does feel really special. Do, do artists ever reach out and say, that was great? We lo- we listened to the podcast. We loved it. Yeah, yeah. That that it's funny you and that. vice versa. Or, or or we listened to it. Pull that shit immediately. It's horrible. I haven't had to pull that shit. <laughs> I had that once. You're gonna get one tomorrow. From this. I, I, hope <laughs> I had that happen once for the four or five exchange, but it was a very specific context that the the person at the time was going through like some mental health struggles and like it was a thing where on, they listened back and realized that it just wasn't representative of who they were, but. There was like an indie artist from Canada. I won't go into specifics, but in terms of the the first thing that you is said, is it Celine Dion? Just tell us. <laughs> just kidding. Imagine. But um, just, you say Canada. So. But uh, yeah, I I have had musicians do that, and most recently I had uh, Ezra Furman do that, who is um a trans um queer musician who's like on an unbelievable human being. I I started working with them back in 2015. I was like working, doing photos of them from Paste and we've kept in touch since. And uh, the situation of that podcast is actually very special because they're a parent now and they announced it on social media about a year ago. And it was a thing where they're famously very private about their everyday life. And um, they were actually very keen on not talking to journalists about this element, this aspect of their life. And I reached out to talk about the music, but I also made it clear, like, hey, we have this history together. I would like to talk about some of this. Obviously, we'll talk about as much as you're comfortable, but let's definitely be, you know, respectable about what you are not are not comfortable with. So we had the talk. We ended up talking a lot about being a parent, life, uh, growing up trans, really, like, you know, delving into all these things. And it's, I would say it's safe to say currently, that's the most revealing podcast I've ever done. And after I went out, they reached out to me saying how they re-listened to it. And they were very, they felt like it very much painted an appropriate portrait of who they are. And that's like one of the, that is the best comment you could ever get. Because it's like, you know, I, like, I, like I mentioned, I edit the episode. So in a way, after I talk to a person, they're entrusting me with how they're going to be represented. And hearing someone say that I actually did it in an appropriate manner is, yeah, it's really not. So what, what's next for you? I mean, this podcast. It's, it's great. Don't stop doing it. But, <laughs> but like, I'm sure you ask all your artists that you interview. Yeah. What's What's next? Oh, that's a really. Where are you going to take this? That's a good question. Well, I have. So, funnily enough, right, and how this kind of came about is when I decided I was going to do this independently. 
and I should preface this again that this was like you know peak lockdown period where we had all the time in the world I like outlined what I wanted the seasons to be in my notes on my phone and I outlined seasons one through seven more or less so we're and season four just has just ended we're going to season five and I've had the plans for season five since and you haven't been cancelled yet I haven't been cancelled yet. There's still time. I haven't been cancelled yet. Time. So well, you, you've outlasted, uh, let's think, well, what great shows have had four seasons? Oh, God. Four seasons. Well, I, De- I mean, Dexter went longer, but Dexter went to shut up for the fourth season. Uh-huh. Season five was pretty awful. Uh, Ozark, what's that? Where, where, where's Ozark right now? Is it four? Four. four? So you and your, uh, your neck and neck with I, Ozark. I, I outlasted it could be. Well, you need to split your final <laughs> season into two seasons and it counts. So, yeah. Yeah, that, that would be a good thing to do. Oh, so, so I actually have like two ways to answer this that kind of converge into each other. So what's next is that before I released season four, I put like some social media photos up, uh, you know, just to announce, hey, new season's coming. And there was a tagline that I had where it was like a podcast about uh, music, but then music was crossed off and then it said people. And that's the thing that I want people to hit, take home when I listen, where it's like, you are listening to a podcast that has a lot of musicians on it, but it's less about the music and more about them as people. So my hope is to actually have more non-musicians on and just creatives and like people of a lot of different disciplines. So this next season that's coming out soon, season five, if everything goes right, because this is before I've even made it, if everything goes right, it will be a, a, like a 50-50 or 60-40 split between musicians and non-musicians. And then the sixth season, I have a big plan for that I can't say, but I will say it's very ambitious and it could go horribly wrong. But the sixth season, which will be coming out in like summer 2023, will be a big diversion from uh, what I've currently been doing. And that's going to be essentially taking all the experience I've had so far and see, can I actually apply that in a very like kind of experimental manner? I will clear my calendar for an invite. <laughs> I mean, this cool. has been so lovely, so it would be nice to have you back. That sounds very cool. Um, what is if you could go back and re-edit some of your earlier episodes? What do you, you you sort of touched on having some regrets? But is there something that you felt like you would just do anything to go back in time and ask that question of that person? That's a good question. It, it, you know, and funny, I'm enough, just coming up with these. These are zingers. These, these are, are these zingers. Are... I'm impressed because, like, sometimes it's like. I think I've only ever done two podcasts in my life where I didn't have questions formed. And Am I going to go home tonight and think, oh, I, I really should have asked Ken? I do that even when I have questions prepared, so you probably will. But do you know what? It, it, so to answer your questions, I'm, I'm not going to... It's not that I'm dancing around it. It's not that it has to do with the edit, but it's more that like with audio editing, and it's kind of something that's very fascinating to me as with it as a medium, is that you can polish like a bad recording, but only just so much. So it really does depend on the recording that it's you It's like get. editing a shot. Right? Exactly. It's like editing it's like a shot. It's like editing a, a photo. Yeah. If, so, if, the, if the raw image doesn't have anything and there's nothing there, you just have to accept it. There's nothing it. you can do. And there's times I've done a podcast where like I felt like it could have gone better, but weirdly not because of like the questions and more like the energy. And I think that's also another thing that makes podcasting very intriguing where it sounds like two people talking, and it is, but there is an innate level of, um, like, a l- innate increase of, like, energy levels if someone's conscious of the fact that someone's listening. 
And I think some of the best podcasts that like, like we're recording this right before I'm about to drop an episode with this Canadian band Arkells with their singer Max, really lovely guy. And by the time this comes out, people will be able to hear that. And the funny thing with that podcast is that Max, he himself does podcasting. He loves sports. He's very keen on like being- This is the lead singer? The lead singer, yeah. He's very keen on being like a, like, you know, a very boisterous guy. So he's aware of his like volume. So like when you listen to the episode, you could tell like this is a guy who's aware of how people are going to receive what he's saying. And there's sometimes when you talk to people, especially in the indie world, where that's not so much the case. So there's times where I go in knowing that I'll have to do a bit of extra heavy lifting. And, you know, I'll be honest, sometimes I'm a person. I don't do that. So the, the worst episodes, I think, are the ones where you could tell that my energy isn't at the level it should be. So there's times I'll hear that and think like, oh, I should have done that better. But that's so you should have been you should have matched their energy rather than like, yeah. I should have said this. I should have asked that. It's I wasn't my full energy self. Yeah, exactly. Or like, yeah, yeah. So what if yeah. someone comes on one of your guests yeah. and they're so high energy that you don't even get a chance to. Like they just sap all the energy out of the room. And I love that person. <laughs> I, lo- I personally love it because what it does there is that it'll... I should have allow- had, had a double espresso <laughs> before this. Well, something that... It, this is kind of like the continuing kind of conflict that I have where, like, I'm trying to get better at doing this. And if I want the podcast to grow and to get more people listening to it, it has to get to a point where people are returning listening to, to specifically listen to me. And that's something I was aware of when I started. And it's something that is still kind of almost like an abstract idea. Because it's like, for me, and how these episodes are structured, it's so much about the person that I'm talking to or the people I'm talking to. Because I have this interest or this idea that like, I could present a story about these people that will interest people. It has so little to do with me. But then it's a conflict where I have to be aware that I have to put myself in it. And like, yeah, I mean, I've talked about it's something I've been more conscious of, like, giving little nuggets in my life. Like, I've talked about, like, breakups and, like, therapy and, like, family stuff in a very, like, little minuscule ways. But, like, I think, uh, are you familiar with Mark Maron? Yeah. So, Mark Maron's podcast. But really, is- his acting more than his podcast. Okay, so his podcast is amazing. And he does something that nobody else could do. The first 15 to 20 minutes of his episodes are him just giving a recap about his life. He, even though he's like an actor and he's a stand-up comedian, he has a really boring fucking life. He's like a dude who just has cats and there's nothing exciting about his life. There have been times, I've been a fan of his podcast for many years. There are times where he reduces how much that segment is and people get upset. We're talking about a dude who's like in his like, I appreciate he's in his 60s. Oh, sure. He's in his 60s and he puts out episodes with like Leonardo DiCaprio, Barack Obama, fucking, um... I should think of a woman now because it's really bad. <laughs> like uh, all these fucking people, right? Like these fucking obscenely cultural figures and people still want to hear 15 minutes about him talking about his cat. I don't think anyone's going to want to hear me spend 15 minutes talking about my dog, but we I did do... that at the top of the show. So We did more or less, yeah. <laughs> but I do feel like I have to get to a point where I'm more comfortable at doing that in terms of my life. So that's something I'm interested in as well, where it's like, I want people to get to know me and I want to get more comfortable with that idea. I have a question that it ties into happiness um, yeah. and self, self-satisfaction, but at what point did you start to realize through doing this podcast in the last five years that you're like, I'm a podcast and I'm, I'm doing this now. Like, this is a big part of my identity um, and you've realized that you're actually very good at it. So, yeah. so 
what was the moment? Was there any specific moment or is it just like, well, I've been doing this for long enough now that I must be quite good at it? Or was there a moment where you felt like a sense of, all right, now I've arrived? I love that, actually. I love you asking that. I don't think there's a clean answer, but I think it does correlate, like it cascades into itself quite nicely. I think what it was is that, and again, big one to Eric, because he's so instrumental in this. My friend Kat Manos as well, she was instrumental in this as well, where it's like, when I decided to do the podcast independently, like the new exchange, there was this innate realization that I had that was very small, but grew that like, if I'm going to reach out to my artist friends or their managers or this, their publicists, the fact that this is a podcast has my name on it as well, I have to have a level of confidence. Otherwise I'm wasting their time. So I think it was a partial fake it to your make it. Like it wasn't imposter syndrome, but it was a thing of me. Cause you know, like, cause prior to the podcast existing, it didn't have a legacy, even though this is like an offshoot of an older series. People only know it in this like, you know, existing context. So when I'd reach out to people and I only had like between zero to 10 episodes, even like, like, hey, even when I had just 20, there was a, a weird thing where I felt like very um, self-conscious of it. Cause like, there's like, I would think about someone going to the Apple or the Spotify and be like, who are you? Like, why are you reaching out? But I, the armor for that was me knowing what I was capable of and going like, no, this is that good. And I think what comes from that, Toby, to be honest, is like me being able to be self-critical. Because like, along with editing, I listen to all the episodes after I edit. And there have been times I've listened to an episode and there may be only two or three things that are wrong. But I'll think to myself like, no, that's not, that doesn't live up to the standard I have in my head. I'll go fix it. And I'm also a fan of other podcasts. So it's like, I'm able to be self-critical of myself in the context of like other people, not in comparison, but just like thinking about what I know works and what doesn't. I don't know if I answered the question. No, you answered the question, but then all of a sudden I got this feeling of like, oh my God, we had the, we should have done something. And I'm really annoyed we didn't do it. What, what we should have, done? we should have done a similar sort of like AMA component to this where people could have actually asked questions oh. <laughs> and we could have had you answer them and now i'm kind of annoyed that we didn't do that so i mean thinking, that could be that could be a should, part two or something we should do that yeah and then come back and do a part two or i'd like that i mean i think something. the way we did it in this context I, I hope it gives people somewhat of a portrait of who i am i think it will i think that's important and i think i want i want your listeners to think about some of the things you've said yeah as they move forward through your journey with you and, and, and your podcasts um you know i think like with you saying that as well just thinking about takeaways you know i think the fe- this podcast had a bit of evolution in terms of uh, intention like the series i think it, it was a, it started out with this kind of very vague idea and it, it kind of still has this in existence where the way it's formatted when you listen to the talks and it's kind of funny because we're in a living room. I kind of always envision that this podcast would be like, say you're at a party and there's two people talking on a couch and you don't know those people, but you're eavesdropping. And then you look at your watch or your phone and you realize that like 10 minutes went by. Like that's how much time flew from you wanting to listen to these people talk. So that's the vibe that I always want, but like want to you know present. But then something else on top of that that's grew from just talking to all these musicians is that like, I've been very blessed where I've been at like, you know, working festivals like Governor's Ball and like Lollapalooza and been at arenas like, you know, like the Zenith in Paris and MSG so many times. And like, it's always been trippy to me looking at the musicians on stage, knowing that like people 
innately put those people on pedestals and just really just view them as an elevated form of human. But then I'll think about the talk that we had about fucking like Pixar movies right before. And I think the big thing I want people to do when they listen, and I try to kind of instill this in the, the talks sometimes, is that if you're like sat working in an office and you click on like the Gang of Youths podcast, for example, I know there's like a brain chemistry thing where a person's like, oh, here's this band that plays arenas. I have nothing in common with them. And it's my job. I take it upon myself as a job where within the middle of that episode, I want the person in the office listening to get to a point where they're like, oh, I can relate to that musician. That's kind of like what I'm always striving for, more or less, where someone can find themselves feeling that way. Who, who let's talk bucket list now. Oh, um, I, you know what's hilarious? So my phone is here. I actually have an actual bucket list on my phone, but I actually don't think I need, need Don't it. put it up. I don't need it. No. Who, let's talk top three, top four, something like that. I want to okay. just like, I want to hear who, who you'd love to interview. I could do a top three easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they've got to be realistic. Like, it, it needs to have that sense of, like, but it could happen, you know? One, <laughs> okay, then. And if you start with, like, Bruce Spring, sometimes, fuck off. No, so. it's not Bruce Spring, but it's, like, almost in that level. So there's three. So out of the three I had in my, my head, one of them is probably realistic. The other two, probably not. But I'm going to say it anyway, because I don't like rules, Toby, so fuck your rules. But uh, the big one's Damon Albarn. He's my hero. I, I could see that happening. Lyric Gorillaz. I could see so? that, yeah. I could see that happening. Oh, I'm Toby. not just. I'm not. Just, Toby. No, I'm not. No, I'm serious. I, I feel like he, he'd do it. I don't know. I hope so. I Let's mean, get, if any of these people are. I mean, I'm sure Damon Owens probably listening himself. Because, yeah. You know, that's who you are. But if, if <laughs> any of the Damon Owens. He, he's my number one hero. I I do know that actually because we were at a festival together when he was playing. Yeah. I think it was the Met. Were you at the Meadows? Was it the Meadows? No, it's Governor's Ball. Is it Governor's Ball? Okay. Yeah, he played like 2014. That's right. Yeah, and I and I remember. I skipped Outcast to do it. Okay, that's how much that's they had about deal. the same time. Yeah, yeah, oh. we love it over that. Oh jeez. Okay, so Damon Albarn. Yeah, I, I'm I'm going to list that in the in the could yeah. could happen category. Okay, all no, right, keep going. Number two, yeah. are you from Stromae? Yeah. Yeah, the Belgian singer. Uh, fair enough. I know his team, but I don't know if it's probably. But uh, for people unfamiliar. He's arguably the biggest pop star in Europe. He's from Belgium. He's very creative in the sense that his music is like, he makes these pop songs, but the actual lyrics are themes that are very serious. So he has a song about cancer, a song about the, the perils of sex work, about human trafficking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I, I photographed him a couple times and he's a lovely human being. He keeps a circle very small and he's just a very artistic guy. And what's interesting, and there's a challenge in that, in talking to someone like that, because for someone that's so, like, for example, I look at a a journalist who has to interview Taylor Swift or Drake, for example, and my head goes like, that's a really hard job, because you have to innately figure out, I keep saying innately a lot, sorry, people, If if you have to figure out a way to interview this person that's been asked every question in the world and get something interesting out of them, or to ask them questions they've never been asked before, but you have to conceive of them. So that's very hard. So the challenge of that with Stromae would exist. You mean no one's ever asked Taylor Swift, what would you do if there were no hands? Yeah, I don't think that. I don't think anyone's asked her. Nice segue. Nice coming back around. That's a great callback. That's a good callback. Go on. Uh, And the third dream one is um, Christine the Queens, who's a a friend of mine. You've done... Sorry, you've done that. Well, in the 405, not uh, this one. No, I'm sorry. I'm scrapping that one. You're scrapping that one? Okay. We need more. And I don't think she goes by Christine and the Queens anymore. No, she still does. I thought it was just Chris. 
That was like a. a like was that a just for an album? Thing. That was promo just, thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Give me a second. Give me a second. Um, I'm trying to think of a woman now because I the other the immediate person that came to my head is Killer Mike. Who I still would like. That's still a big one. I love Killer Mike. You could do I Killer Mike. I mean, he's first of all, he's such an interesting guy. He is such an interesting. He, he is, has his own TV show. I think I might have known that. Yeah. I just remember sort of very early. What I want to talk to really bad. I haven't talked to yet. That's actually the hilarious part. I'm like going through my brain. So go, open up the thing. Open up the thing. You can edit it out, but I, 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 I just want to know. No, I probably want to keep it in because it's actually really funny. No, no. Keep that section in. Yeah. <laughs> but not you scouring through like cheap No, I'm going to keep places. it scouring in because it's funny. Where was <laughs> my guest list? Um... Oh, so uh, hang on. Before, oh, Janelle Monáe. Stop! What you? I, you yeah. I was staring at the pictures on your wall, oh, are you about and to... I was about to say, I want to look at your wall because he's got. So for those of you who haven't been in Ken's apartment, I don't know how many people have been in this place, but Ken has six framed photographs above his television, the frames that he shot, and it goes Christine the Queen, elbow, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um. And then Janelle Monáe. And I was staring at Janelle Monáe as you said, Janelle Monáe. And then underneath is uh, an incredible portrait of, of Yanis from, from Falls. Yeah, thank you. Um, the 1975. Maddie Healy, yeah. And then Florence, not his girlfriend, but the, the other Florence. Yeah, Florence and the Machine. <laughs> Florence and the Machine. Um, okay, so, yeah. so out of those six, you pick Janelle Monáe. Yes. And I actually, you know what? This is actually a nice story. I have met her once. And... Um, it was at a governor's ball after party and she wasn't performing um clean bandit were but she was there and uh i saw her in the balcony and she's actually if i made a top list of the people i photographed the most she'd be on there i photographed her like over 12 times over the years like she's my she's my favorite she's my favorite solo performer like of a solo act like she's the best of it i think it's time to get her on i think it's time to get her on too but this story is actually funny because I think it's a uh, something that I've taken with me in my life without even realizing it. I saw her in the balcony at Webster Hall. I've photographed her so many times, but I've never talked to her. I was really nervous. And I went up to her and I was just like, I was like, you know, half drunk. I was like, oh my God, I love your music so much. Uh, you're so inspiring to me. Uh, please never change. And she said in the most like soothing fashion a human being could, she turned, she looked me in the eye and she's like, oh, well, I promise I'm going to do just that. And then walked away. The thing is, when I think of Janelle Monet and you say, please don't change, I think her entire brand is all about change well, and constantly reinventing well, her image. And shortly after that, so she might have been a little offended by that. No, no I think, I think she was in hindsight. I think <laughs> in the way she answered it, I think she understood what I meant. I don't fucking know. I don't have a brain. Sorry, brain. I'm just sure. looking at the background on your... Is that gorillas? It is gorillas, yeah. Look at that. Yeah, hold on. I'll so show the you. Old, like, the tie-in on the Damon Albarn. Yeah, it's like when the end of their set and they do uh, like Demon Days, like wow. the reprise. That's yeah. really cool. Thank That's you. Really cool. I fucking love them. Yeah, she, um, I think shortly after that interaction, she released that song Pink with, uh, yeah. she collaborated yeah. with Grimes, which Good is song. like one of her most different songs. Yeah. And like, no, but like that. And at the end, she said, sorry, Ken, I didn't mean to change. <laughs> I know you told me not to. No, but you know what? Like, that is the best. I I always love that story because that's the best response. Because that's in the context of life, and it ties back to the podcast, you should. Like, I love knowing that even in how I ask the questions, this podcast is going to change 
just by the virtue of having so many different people on. Like, there's, uh, it's just going to always evolve. Stylistically, how have you evolved? Stylistically, I've gotten more loose. I've gotten more loose and more affable and more accepting of, like, pushback in terms of, like, an idea. A good example would be, like, because sometimes when you have a conversation with people, with a person, you will make, like, a statement, even if you're trying to, you know, present in the context of a question. And if you present something in the form of a statement, it allows someone to disagree with you. And I think a lot of times people are afraid of pushback. But I like it. Like, a good example is, uh, I don't know if this talk will be out yet by then, but who knows. There's a, there's a, a queer artist that I talked to recently named Morgan. And we're talking about people like Billy Porter and people are very public facing in their queerness and how that feels very special. And we reflected on people in like the 70s and things of that nature. And I remember saying something like, uh, I'm paraphrasing, about like how people back then probably didn't have the vocabulary to convey their queerness. And Morgan pointed out the fact that uh, actually that's not true because in a historical context, there's nothing, there was nothing new about queerness in the 70s if you just think about human existence. And I really appreciate pushback like that because it allowed me to consider something it goes back to we're talking about small towns and cities and stuff like that like it allowed me to reconsider the broader nature of what i thought about like i thought about something like 1970s meanwhile there are people in ancient greece who are like queer Mm -hmm. so it's like i've gotten more open to that because i think it also makes for a more compelling talk because i i personally never want to present myself as someone who knows everything like that's a big thing to me i love saying i don't know something Okay, so I have, I, have, I have an important question. So yes. you told us the story about how your parents said you could go into graphic design <laughs> show us a photograph of, you, of someone doing graphic design. Yeah, yeah. Um, have your parents listened to your podcasts? I and what do they make of it? If, if they have, what do they make of it? If they haven't, they have, why not? So they haven't said anything. I weirdly think... Do like, they know you even do this? They do. My, well, they do. My, Are they going to listen to this episode? I don't know. My dad probably has. He hasn't said anything, but he probably has, I think. I know they know it exists. I think for them, and I think a lot of immigrant parents feel this way, where it's a thing of like, it, you know what? This has actually been a big thing for me in having empathy for them, in terms of them as people. It's been a very personal thing for me, where I've realized that if I consider how their life has been, in terms of being plucked out of like a country like Haiti, here in America, and not only is America so different, but the pace in which this country changes like every five to 10 years is so rapid that a big thing that's allowed me to have empathy towards my parents and even feel close to them is understanding that like, wow, every like five years, this country is so different for you. Like you're, you're, you're a perpetual fish out of water. So I bring that up to say that I don't even know if my, both my parents are aware. I think my, my dad knows what, he's more like computer savvy. I think my dad knows what podcasting is. I don't know if my mom does, but yeah, I don't know if they've listened to any of them. How can we force them? Is there a way to <laughs> sit them, sit them in the room and just press play and then let them hear it? Oh God, I think they'd be surprised. I think because you know I grew up. It's a, I grew up a very shy kid, and I became more open uh, when I moved here to the city and when I started getting involved in photography, it kind of forced me to be more personal. You're like the least open. shy of all of our photographer colleagues. I think, yeah. You're the guy who like comes <laughs> into the podcast. I hope this isn't offensive. But you're yeah. the guy who comes into the pit and like smacks me on the ass and like yeah. grabs my neck <laughs> and then touches my hair, which is, as we all know, is something that 
drives me absolutely insane. <laughs> so if anyone touches my head, it, and it happens, like even if someone yeah, like yeah, brushes yeah. the top of my hair with their well, elbow by accident, <laughs> I freak out. Our friend Dutch will tell you uh, what happened last time he touched my hair. Well, I think um, I think me being that way is in opposition to how I used to be as a kid. Because, yeah. you know, like I was a very shy, dorky kid. I'm a dorky adult. But when I was that way as a kid, I, I never liked it. So I used to always want to be different in that context. And, uh, you know, when you say that, it, it kind of reminded me of like what you said about the pit. I don't know if she'd be listening, but there's a photographer named Erica Renzel. And I met her, she used to live here in the East Coast, she lives in the West Coast now, but I remember we were working Alt-J at Madison Square Garden, like 2015, I think. And uh, she was originally from Philly, and she didn't know any of us, like, photographers here in New York. And I remember, like, we were talking amongst each other, and I turned, and I noticed she was kind of, like, by herself, and I was just like, yeah, come over here, fuck it, like, we don't, we don't know you, but come be Mm -hmm. in our circle, type of thing, and, like. I remember just as a kid, always wanted to do that. Like, wa- wanting the world to be more like that. And funny enough, it always comes back to the podcast. And the podcast is reflective of that, which is why there's so many different people on. Amazing. Yeah. Well, I, I do think we got to know you a bit better. I think we did, I think, I think, I hope. I hope, yeah. I mean, now, like, it's up to you with the edit, right? So what you can, <laughs> you can you're sort of, you're going to play God a little bit. I'm sure you're gonna have some license to do whatever. You I think I'm gonna keep like almost all of those. I think, yeah, I, I, you know, it's so funny. And this for anyone who's curious if they want to get a podcast, that you do get to a point where like you'll have conversations and you edit in your head. And I didn't edit that much in my head as I was talking, so this is nice. Well, I mean, I enjoyed it. I enjoy getting to know you as always. Yeah. Um, it's funny because whenever we spend time together, it's usually in very loud environments. That is true. Scream. <laughs> We have even we, when we go to bars, even when we go we've bars, gone to bars, or yeah. if we're just at a show screaming each other, and yeah. I, it's nice to actually have peace and quiet. Although poor Missy is wincing away. Yeah, yeah. It, um, but it's I don't nice know if to, people hear, but yeah, that's just my dog Missy in another room wishing she was in here. She is safe. She'll listen to the edited version. <laughs> she'll be fine. She'll she'll have editorial uh, control. <laughs> uh, but it's great to just just sit and hear some of your your stories, and yeah. I'm excited to see. You what comes next for the podcast and, and for you personally and yeah. um, I'm sure I'll see you in the pit soon don't touch my hair I might touch it don't touch my hair thank you so much for checking this out be sure to subscribe to the new exchange via Spotify Apple Podcasts and wherever you stream podcasts until next time thank you for listening